Welcome to this edition of the Men's Divorce Podcast, sponsored by domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell, a partner men can count on. I'm your host, Dan Pierce, mensdivorce.com online editor, and I am joined by Scott Trout and Erica Ottolini. On today's show, we are discussing mental health. So oftentimes, the struggles and emotions that men go through before, during, and after the divorce experience are not talked about, and especially fathers who have to deal with being away from their children. And with Father's Day quickly approaching, we thought it'd be a good idea for listeners to better understand the emotional tapestry that men have to go through during this this time, you know, with all of this. Um, and, you know, it's so different with each individual experiencing it. But from a general ex- uh, perspective, what are some of the emotional dangers men have to navigate beginning the divorce experience as it's starting out or before with all of the marital problems that might ensue? You know, I think uh, the experience shows that and I always tell clients in these seminars that we do around the country that uh, to try to make decisions uh, without emotional impact, you know, without have, using the emotional impact of the divorce. I mean, because every decision has a consequence. And so some of the things that guys face is they want to react to what's going on around them. And they have to, in some respects, we have to kind of step back and try to use our logic. And that is the first thing that goes out the window. Uh, and not intentionally, it just is a result of probably one of the most stressful periods other than death and taxes mm-hmm. is divorce or even modification or any family law action. Uh, you're about ready or you feel like you're about ready to lose everything. And so, uh, you know, it's a fight or flight kind of, you know, thought process. And so some of these uh, decisions are purely emotional. And that's part of our job. We certainly talk about that later is to try to ground them again, you know, get them back to making really informed, logical decisions. But that's really kind of the landscape that guys really, they walk in the door and they're in an emotionally distressed period. Uh, so that's what we see immediately. It's kind of what guys are going to face and, and maybe it's unexpected for them. You know, they're men, right? They're supposed to be unemotional and uh, they can handle anything. And, and reality is that uh, they're more likely and susceptible to uh, issues than, than women perhaps are. Some of the studies suggest that. Absolutely. Yes. And to just piggyback on what you just shared, Scott, about the, the emotional landscape, um, you know, so much of what we do when we react is we're we're operating from that emotional side of the brain where we're getting triggered, our fight, flight, or even freeze um, mechanism is um, switched. That switch has been flipped. And um, when we can gain a better understanding of that process, then we can help our clients really access the thinking part of their brain again. And I think um, men are in a challenging position because they've really historically been allowed to express one emotion, anger, and um, we are all feeling beings. And um, when we suppress all the other stuff, uh, we encounter problems. And it could be that that was a function of the relationship that that fell apart. And what we want to do is be able to help people express the, you know, Married emotions that they're experiencing, whether it's frustration, betrayal, um, fear. I mean, all of that can be playing a role in into you know why they're deciding the things that they're deciding. And so I think, uh, you know, in in our work, we do a lot of psychoeducation in both in both realms about emotions and experiences and when to make a decision and when not to make a decision. And I think that is probably the platform where you would start with with any client. Okay, cool. Cool. You know, with all of these different uh, 
mental health risks that might come up with like depression being so prevalent, suicide rates for uh, divorced men being so high in comparison to divorced women. What are some of the consequences of experiencing these types of conditions like depression, like stress, like uh, avoiding seeking the the mental help that they need, you know, because so often with there, there's an ideal out there that mental health uh, seeking it is gendered. Mm-hmm. You know, men uh, often attribute um, s- seeking help as, you know, a sign of weakness mm-hmm. or stress right. rather than, uh, you know, med- seeking medical attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess what are some of the consequences of following that line of thinking? Because mm-hmm. it, it can be dangerous. Right. Well, you're probably on the front line of that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think it's interesting. So obviously with guys, they tend to suppress feelings, emotions, or it may just, they either come one side or the other. They're either going to be an emotional wreck or they're very, very logical and or they, at least they think they are in mm-hmm. that decision. And it is based upon something, hurt, anger, whatever it may be. And so the danger and you see and the consequences are they don't, we always encourage them, look, you've, you've either got to go find someone you can talk to. Uh, and interestingly, our seminars, I almost think that we do around the country, you know, the 10 stupidest mistakes or men's divorce school that we do in the evenings. I almost think they're more therapeutic than they are educational because they're, they're surrounded by guys who all went through the same or similar thing. And it oftentimes becomes where we see guys who've gone through the process. They have no legitimate reason to be there other than to be around guys who've gone through what they go through. And it really, they seem to walk out in a much better place than they were before they walked in. Mm -hmm. And so we try to encourage guys to do something like that. Find an avenue of of, uh, where you can kind of talk about it. You have to talk about your feelings because guys are brought up and maybe most of them, even as young kids, don't express your feelings because you're a man, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't cry. Uh, It is suggested, you know, you can be angered or controlling. Um, But the consequence of not doing that uh, is, I mean, sure, drastic. We don't see the, the after result often. Uh, mm-hmm. But we see guys who bottle it up uh, mm-hmm. during it. And so it is something we encourage is to get to a point where you can have that conversation and express your feelings. Surround yourself with others, almost like going to an AA meeting, because that is part of it, is mm-hmm. being surrounded by people who understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like our seminars are therapeutic. And I, I was telling my wife about, you know, we're attorneys, but the word counselor is in there. I mean, we're really not a psychological counselor but in some respects, I feel like we have that role. Mm-hmm. We have to transition them on to someone who can help them in a, in a way. And we have to have empathy and, and and try to encourage them to get away from the law side and the strategic decisions they make in divorce and to get that mental health mm-hmm. because keeping that bottled up is not healthy in any way. So uh, you can do it during, before, after. But again, you know, it is about seeking to surround yourself with people who are familiar and understand. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think that um, you're talking about the, you know, the front lines of, of uh, therapy, really, you, you are the first counselor they will see. Mm-hmm. And whether or not they're willing to go the next step to mental health, I think can be, I, I so appreciate this collaboration between the two disciplines of mental health and legal, because, um, you know, you're in a position to educate people about the acceptability of mental health support. And I like to call it, you know, mental wellness support. Mm -hmm. We all need a place to put these feelings and process these emotions. 
What we say in my line of work is that one of two things will happen. We all have emotions. And if we don't take the time within our minds or within a safe place, then therapy maybe, to process them, you will either have somatic issues, migraines, ulcers, etc., or you will have irritable and angry outbursts. So you'll have behavioral issues. And I would think that if you um, were committed to kind of learning about yourself and maybe learning from past I mean, you don't even have to call them mistakes, but learning from past experiences so you don't have to keep recreating the same one, that um, we can help people kind of migrate their way into into support of some kind. And I think one of the, the greatest things that people get from that, um, you know, mental wellness is uh, normalization, like you mm-hmm. were just talking about. Mm-hmm. This is a normal experience. Mm-hmm. You know, over 50% of couples are going through something familiar, yeah. uh, something similar to this. And so to have somebody feel like when they know in their mind that they're the only one who could possibly <laughs> be feeling what they're feeling, mm-hmm. to have that be normalized is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. the easiest decision is the hardest one, and that is just to seek help. Yeah. And, and, and I guess maybe perhaps the word help in and of yeah. itself is a tough word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, seek an outlet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just right. have a conversation. Right. And gosh, in any respect, I mean, it can be, I mean, if you've experienced death in a family, just talking about mm-hmm. it uh, with friends, going out. I mean, that's where you, you say, oh, I need to go out because you just want to seek companionship, friendship. So maybe someone just can listen. And that's really uh, the consequences of not doing that are, are probably drastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, one thing we see, uh, you know, between men's divorce, dad's divorce, all of on social media is the the creation of a community of men seeking that type of help. And it's it's definitely benefited a lot of them mm-hmm. through seeking the resources that we provide here and such. But um, in terms of like the, the gendered idea of not seeking the the help or support. Um, you know, what is, what is a lawyer to do with a client that won't help himself? I mean, you, you have it a lot. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you, you get a client who comes in and, and they can handle it. Uh, I've got it. Or they may have a mental disorder and you've got to explain to them. Our job is to explain to them that the steps that they need to get that outlet are only served to help them in their case. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we try to counsel them from the perspective of what's the judge going to look at and what's the mm-hmm. judge going to think. And, you know, put aside the fact that, uh, let's just agree, you don't, and we'll agree with the client, say, okay, you don't need help, but let me just improve your cases, your cases chances by having you get this X, Y, or Z. And, and we'll break it down as simply as a gambling issue or an alcohol issue, um, where I sit down with clients and say, look, I'm not telling you you're an alcoholic or you're a gambling addict, but let's just, let's get yourself to, to a place where from a judge's perspective, they look at you like you're helping yourself. You're trying to get a better understanding, educate, just like you would research everything related to divorce on Mm -hmm. dadsdivorce.com. You're going to gather the information on what leads to, you know, from uh, results from gambling, excessive Mm -hmm. gambling or financial mismanagement. Uh, I'm not trying to label someone, but what we're trying to do is put them in a position that gets them in a better position to accomplish their goals. Mm -hmm. And so from our perspective, it is about trying to deal with clients and explain to them the consequences of what judges look for. Uh, and that is our job. But again, it's not about labeling. It's not about, and I, I, I hate the word help because it does come with connotations that you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. And and so it doesn't mean you have a problem. It just means we want to better ourselves and better the client. And you know, you've got to go through, you're going through such a horrible time. 
Uh, it's costly. It's tolling. And so uh, for us, that's what we try to do is to explain the consequences. Sometimes there are none. And, you know, we'll often say, look, you need to consider this when it's over. But 98% of the time, uh, we're telling clients to take certain steps, whatever that may be, learn how to be a better parent. Yeah. You know, get better tools and how to deal with uh, children who are facing divorce because mm-hmm. you may not see it right away, but you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine, I, I, I'm not being a product of divorce, but I can't imagine um, as a child going back and forth and having to figure out what they're going through and what they're thinking. And those are the things that we try to impress upon clients to just get better education, better resources on how to manage now and in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, inviting somebody to get more information about something is a, is a, is a wonderful access point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a launch pad. If you, if you were, you know, recovering from, let's say, orthopedic surgery, you would go for physical therapy. If you wanted to learn an instrument, you would hire a tutor or, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you would hire someone who had information that you wanted. And so when I do co-parenting work um, or even individual work with either dads, um, or the other parents, uh, y- you know, this information could be reframed as coaching. This is life coaching. We all want information about how we operate. We didn't come with an owner's manual. And so um, insight-oriented work in particular has us uncover why we do what we do, why we feel way, the way we feel, why our triggers are where they are. And so that uh, in and of itself can be enticing to learn. And again, we'll help you be mm-hmm. a better parent, a better partner, a better friend. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to learn how to mm-hmm. parent with someone who's not in your household and you're not in together anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like having a newborn, no one teaches you how to parent, right? And so now you learn, you finally learn, and then you get divorced, you have to learn all over again. Exactly. I mean, with all new host of problems. Absolutely. And so... Again, it is about education. That's why I think the resources on dad's divorce are awesome mm-hmm. because, it, again, it just read and consume. We are a consumer-based you know, society now. We consume as much information as we can. But, again, the stigmatism with guys or the stereotype is, oh, we're good. I got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where they really should get more. And, and certainly they're going to present far better in court uh, when they are educated, informed, and uh, have a plan in place on how to deal with and co-parent in the future. And I think we can begin to kind of transfer this idea of, um, you know, being open to insight, uh, taking that from a point of vulnerability to a point of strength. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it helps. It, it transfers the language. It makes it more palatable for guys to kind of consume and admit that, they're not necessarily getting better. They're getting stronger. Exactly. They're getting more informed. More informed. They're get, gaining more knowledge and are better equipped to the task at hand in their custody fight, their divorce yeah. case, whatever it might be. Um, and uh, you know, there there's just so many uh, resources out there, obviously. Mm-hmm. But in terms of um, seeking them out, what what ways would you go about recommending them, uh, especially for uh, fathers or uh, men out there that may be on the fence? Uh, about seeking out yes, mental health exactly. work? Um, that's a great question. And I think, you know, particularly if you've got someone interested in future relationships or mm-hmm. parenting, if they've got a goal. Mm-hmm. then um, 
we can encourage people that this work on themselves will pay off in the end. It will benefit them in any future role, again, as friend, parent, partner, um, and allowing people to really grasp the idea that, that you know, I share with people that I, I don't have the answers. I don't, I'm not the expert on anybody else. But in conversation with someone trained, you can uncover insights about yourself where you feel empowered. You feel like you're becoming the expert in how you operate. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself is is, you know, wonderfully empowering. Um, that confidence can, you know, map onto any new role. And so I guess other other than that, you can encourage people to just see what they can do to, to learn about themselves and how they operate and what personality issues got in their way and what they would like to change, maybe to set personal goals and then take a look at those goals and ask themselves, where, where what's a platform for achievement of these? It may be that it's mental health. It may be that it's a um, a group. It may be that it's a self-help book. It may be that it's conversations, insightful conversations with a friend, a friend that can really be honest with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think uh, we don't have a perfect client. Uh, everyone has issues. Mm-hmm. And understanding that as a lawyer, and, and if I want to get you to that finish line, mm-hmm. uh, nothing would make me happier than a client who's willing to learn uh, get therapy, whatever it may be, get education. Mm-hmm. And, and I can present that all day long mm-hmm. to, a, to a judge. Uh, someone who the judge looks at and says, okay, they get it. This is a tough time for them, for their kids, and they're willing to learn and adapt whatever it is, change, modify, uh, get the resources for their kids' sake and for themselves because you're now presenting an entirely different picture mm-hmm. uh, to the court. And it is about what I always say, appearance and presentation. Mm-hmm. How do you appear and how are you presenting and what are you doing? What is the the parenting style you're going to present to the court. I mean, just think about the things that you could have and be equipped with that uh, when you present it to a judge and how far better you would present. Mm -hmm. And the judge would feel really confident about giving you perhaps what you want when you've taken the steps needed other than just saying, this is what I want because I want it. Mm -hmm. Well, this is what I want because here's what I've done to, to make myself better, to equip myself. I mean, it's like anything that you plan and strategize for. Uh, whether it be, you know, you want to save up for a house. Well, you can say you want a house, but if you don't do the things necessary to get it, you're not going to get the house. Mm-hmm. So you want the kids, let's put a plan together. And that could mean employing professionals and ed- educating yourself and whatever it is, learning to co-parent, learning what you do need to do with kids who uh, behave and react during custody transfers. And how do you say, what do you say? Because no one knows what to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the things I think when the client does it, you become uh, a perfect client. And it makes my job much easier. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. How uh, beneficial does it become uh, for, let's say, a father, you know, how much more communicative with their co-parent, uh, you know, what are the benefits is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say um, among, like, co-parents? Yeah. I mean, I think, gosh, 90% of the time uh, what we see is right out of the gate, um, mom will say, oh, I can't co-parent with them. Yeah. We can't communicate. We broke down. We're getting divorced because we can't communicate. Yeah. So therefore, uh, we're already battling not only physical time, mm-hmm. but legal time, which mm-hmm. is the equal decision making for the major decisions on health, education, and welfare, yeah. which we always tell clients, you've got to go for that. that we have to have joint legal. Uh, you don't. You want to continue to be dad. Mm-hmm. And so you can only... Uh, bolster your case to ensure you get joint legal when you seek the things to kind of disprove what is said by the other side. Mm -hmm. That being, you can't communicate. 
Well, you can say the judge, well, I'm learning how to communicate in a different way. Mm -hmm. I'm learning to communicate not through email, but picking up the phone because email can be misinterpreted. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to stop emailing and I'm going to stop texting. And so I've learned that my texts and emails are misinterpreted. So I'm stopping that. I mean, those are things that benefit clients rather than just saying, I've always said, and I keep saying, and I've said it today, he said, she said, you lose 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is because mm-hmm. judges don't have that level of trust in guys because they're not well, they're not risk takers. Mm-hmm. So our job is to take what you're saying and then back it up with independent, uh, viable uh, examples mm-hmm. of why your plan is better or good, whatever it may be. So doing these things only better your case. They only give you a better chance of success to get the things that you want to accomplish, specifically legal. I mean, and it spills over into physical time Mm -hmm. because we can get through, I mean, every state has statutes that talk about, you know, which parent is more likely to provide the other with continuing contact or to abide by the schedule. And if our clients can show that they're taking steps to ensure that they're going to do those things, then of course a judge is going to believe it, especially if you bring in an expert outside say, yeah, he's been seeing me for the last six months and the progress is, is incredible. Uh, that is really powerful testimony because it's unbiased, it's independent, uh, and it's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, um, you know, the bottom line is that, um, the benefits to this work for, um, the relationship henceforth, particularly when there are kids involved is the benefits are profound, you know, by and large, every, relationship falls apart and it, there's some kind of ego injury. There's a narcissistic injury, right? And so you've got everybody taking it very personally. This was a, a threat to their their person. And, um, y- you know, we educate people in the unhelpful thinking styles or the cognitive distortions that they're engaged in. Mm-hmm. And if you can... Um, you know, shed some light on that for someone, then they can begin to call themselves on that all or nothing thinking or jumping to conclusions. And when you can put your own stuff aside, it's still yours, but then you can actually get in somebody else's shoes. And what we're doing then is creating empathy within this family that is transitioning to two homes and um, the kids, you know, the absolute greatest thing that you can do for your children in this situation is to provide at least a semblance of a united front. Mm-hmm. And by putting your own stuff aside and allowing empathy to seep in, your kids are being bolstered for the ride they have ahead of them. Yeah. I imagine clients saying, yeah, um, yeah, uh, Julie and I, we have differences. We don't agree on a lot of things and we can't get along. But the one thing that I'm ensuring that we can get along about is our kids. I mean, it's just powerful testimony when it's believable and you've done something to back it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, then again, that's about the process of planning, the process of preparing with your attorney, whether it's us or someone else. We, we, these seminars we talk about, you don't, I always use the word war. I mean, it, you don't go to war without planning because it's, it's a mistake and, mm-hmm. and mistakes will happen when you don't plan. And you don't invest money without learning and planning. Uh, you do it blindly, you, you lose it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not all experts in all areas. Yeah. And so it is about uh, preparing and planning and doing the right things, not only for the benefit of your case, but the benefit of your family and uh, your kids, most importantly. And I think, you know, spending some time looking at yourself and, um, you know, perhaps creating some new goals for self-improvement, let's say, that allows a person, especially a dad who may have held a traditional role in the family, who may be somewhat... Um, 
removed on the nurturing end of things from his kids. You know, now you suddenly have 100% of uh, parenting Mm -hmm. when you're on point, when when kids are with this parent. And um, you need some support. And that can come in the form of self-reflection and insight. And that empathy will go a long way. Kids are super intuitive. And if somebody's working on themselves, by and large, in my experience, when a dad comes in and says, I want to I want to just learn about myself, mm-hmm. the kids pick up on it. And um, we don't have the kind of, um, you, know, you know, distancing actions that we that we can see sometimes and these situations so kids kids feel safe with both parents and they they feel secure and emotionally nurtured and all that good stuff absolutely is from like a not only a legal perspective but a mental health perspective is there necessarily a timetable let's say a dad like the divorce decree goes out months or years go by and they want to they go about the mental health stuff uh seeking therapy seeking counseling uh and want to revisit their custody or divorce you know just in modificating it in any way mm-hmm. Is there any timetable that prevents them from doing so? And, you know, what? Yeah, from the mental health perspective, no. I mean, I think you yeah. can begin right away. Yeah. Uh, and any anything is better than nothing. Yeah. And so we've had situations like that where uh, the divorce decree points out uh, anger issues, narcissism, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a rude awakening to clients. And... They can either, you know, do one of two things, choose to do nothing and everything remains the same or choose to do something and hope for change. Mm-hmm. And not only with themselves, but perhaps change with their child and their their ex and have a better relationship. Uh, and there are success stories with that, too. Uh, but there is really no timetable. I think the sooner the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, everyone's on their own timetable and you have to be ready. And mm-hmm. it's like anything. It could be from mental health to weight loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can say, I'm going to go on a diet. And you're off of it in 30 days because you're just not ready. Or people can tell you you need mm-hmm. to lose weight. And if you're not mentally ready to do it, you have to have buy-in. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that this is for everyone. It's better for both. But there is no real time. I would never put a, a timetable on it other than you know your typical restrictions on when you can modify because mm-hmm. you have emancipation issues. So in some respects, there is somewhat of a timetable. It's better when your kids are younger to take action and move to modify than it is when they're older, mm-hmm. when courts are more likely to... Uh, look at what the child wants and realistically in teenage years, modifications become uh, much less significant in terms of their success. But no, I don't think there's a timetable. Okay. And I think what I hear you asking with regards to mental health, you know, I I have a lot of uh, teen, adolescent clients who are perhaps in a phase of rejecting one parent or another. Um, And what I share with that parent is that this is not forever. This is a statement this is resistance to something uncomfortable. And I guarantee you, and all the research supports this, this is not lifelong. You're the out parent right now. But if you can hang in there, do the work, remain a part of this child's life, guarantee you the tables will turn because, you know, that's why we have two parents. It takes mm-hmm. two. And we need, children need both. They need the involvement of both. And it may not be pleasant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it may not be easy, but um, it can be incredibly gratifying when your 30-year-old has a breakthrough and wants a relationship with you and you're ready. So um, that does happen. 
And so there really is no timeline. There's no restrictions on um, the mental wellness of, of rapport building or reshaping or um, restructuring. Absolutely. Is there anything else that from your perspective mm-hmm. that you'd like to make sure that the audience knows? You know, I think learn through examples. Yeah. And thing that I will always stay with me, we had a case just talking about mental health and its effects in divorce. Yeah. Years and years ago when I was starting to practice, uh, I had this case where mom had a lot of uh, issues, depression, and decided to treat that herself through alcohol and drugs. And uh, we had a guardian ad litem appointed who had really encouraged her, look, you need to get help and just to talk about it. And, and you know, we can progress from there. My mom continued to refuse and it just got progressively worse and talking about what its effects are in court. So we're in trial and we're talking about custody. And I suspected during the third day of trial uh, that... We, there was a break in the in the trial, and we left. And mom went to the bathroom, came back, and I had suspected she had taken drugs. You know, her behavior had changed substantially; she looked different. And I went to the guardian. And I said, "I think she went and snorted cocaine." You just look at her, and she was trying to cope. And he had indicated, "Well, I said, look, I'm going after her on the stand because it's the only way I can get this judge to understand." that she can't control it without help and she's refusing it. And I did. And she lost custody. That was it. That was the pivotal moment in that trial was she made a decision to go to the restroom and use drugs, trying to self-medicate in her own way. And she, the mental health issues, she was just overwhelmed. And uh, our client won. And I mean, that's an example of how quickly things can turn. Uh, Things weren't looking great and uh, mental health exposed itself not only a drug addiction or drug abuse problem, but they do. And judges are very, they're looking for something to hang their hat on. And that mm-hmm. was just an example of one that always sticks with me and ultimately just never ended well for her, uh, even beyond that. And uh, with just a very glaring moment. There's so many uh, with mental health issues, drug and substance abuse problems where people refuse to seek help and assistance or just learn about how to deal with it. Okay. And I think, too, a reminder to people that, um, you know, dads in particular, that this is this is a journey and the more open they can be to um, learning from their environment, whether that's asking for advice or seeking counsel of their of their legal team or um, going for insight oriented therapy, the the better person that they will become. And um, this is, you know, this is a again, we have a. We have our entire lives to continue that learning process and no one expects them to have the answers and to get it right. But the more we can put our stuff out of the way, um, the the richer the experience because, you know, you can be right and at what cost. And so mm-hmm. allowing people to kind of deal with their stuff, their whatever it is, need to control, need to, um, need to win, whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. um, allowing people to just kind of process through that, um, you know, they will, they will turn over stones that they didn't, they didn't see before and yep. that will add to their growth as humans. Absolutely. And the last thing I think I would say is I think about you may be in the middle of divorce or right at the beginning, you retain counsel and there are really uh, two types of clients, clients that control their lawyers and the lawyers allow it and lawyers that control the client. 
and and it sounds harsh, but we you want the lawyer that controls the client because you want the lawyer. The only way they can do an effective job is to guide you, and not necessarily you know force you to do things. But I'm, I say control being that look. I'm going to say, here's the behavior that I think is not going to work for me or the court, and I can't effectively represent you. You're ultimately going to make the decisions. But there are lawyers that just do everything that the client says without counsel, and you want to avoid that. You mm-hmm. want to avoid the lawyers that are controlled by their clients 100% of the time because ultimately, at the end of the day, you may think you won, but uh, a year later, five years later, you're going to realize that you didn't. And it is our job is to control is a hard word, but it is to keep contained and to make sure you understand, you know, the best case and the worst case and the things that you need to be doing. And so that's when you're looking for a lawyer, whether you have one, find one that will truly counsel you along the way, uh, provide you with the resources and the connections that you need, but also tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And, and if you've got issues that we identify that may be whatever, struggling emotionally, then we're going to guide you in the right direction. That lawyer you need to find that will guide you to the appropriate help, not only for yourself, but for the, the, the good of the case. Because, you you know, divorce, no one wins. It's degrees of losing because mm-hmm. you walk away with less than what you had. There's no way. You can call it a win, but it is a loss. And everyone loses, including the kids because they're spending less time with a parent, mm-hmm. period. Uh you know, it, it paints a, a pessimistic picture, but it's a realistic picture. Mm-hmm. And so we try to, you want a lawyer who will straight talk you and tell you exactly mm-hmm. the way it's going to be. Uh, there are victories, but it, it can't be a win. You know what I mean? And there are victories in within a loss and we can find those. And that's what I think guys need to find along the way, lawyers that can do that for them. And that's what I mean by control uh, clients. That is guiding them appropriately. And you're paying a lot of money. You don't want someone to just be what you tell them to do. Okay. Right. Find someone you trust. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Develop right. that therapeutic alliance yep. and then uh, take the coaching. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you both so much for stopping by. We yeah. really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, make sure to check out all of our articles and content at mensdivorce.com and cordellcordell.com. Check us out on iTunes and make sure to download the Men's Divorce Source app. On behalf of Erica and Scott, I'm Dan Pierce, online editor of mensdivorce.com. I thank you all for listening and have a great day, everyone. Mm-hmm.